Welcome, children. Ghostman Horror Host here. Have you gone to a museum lately, my children? Well, today's story may make you discouraged from doing such a thing. Museum Quality by Ron Ripley. Delvin could hardly contain his excitement. He hurried into his dining room, put the package down on the f- table, and turned the chandelier on. Brilliant white light spilled over the room and eliminated his newest purchase. His hands shook as he untied the twine used to keep the brown paper to the sparks. As the rough cord fell to the table top, a wrapper sprang away. Delvin pushed the rest of it down and removed the thin silver cardboard container. He sat down, inserted his thumbnail between the top of the box and edge, then neatly severed the scotch tape which had kept the container sealed. From within, he pulled out the bell of sail and a piece of heavy paper weight. Each corner of this curious bit of parchment had been folded into the centre, where they met and were held in place by a thick circle of dark black-green wax. The images of a scarab could be clearly seen in the sealing wax. Delvin broke the seal and opened the letter upon the paper for five sentences. First was written in Egypt hieroglyphics. A second looked like to be in Greek. A third was undoubtedly Latin, and a fourth was Arabic. A fifth was more than likely Hebrew, and Delvin could read absolutely none of it. You do, I have. You do, I trust I have access to the internet. A dealer had asked him. Delvin did have access, of course. I said as much. This is a warning. There is a warning here. A precaution to take. A dealer had said, You must translate it and read it for yourself. It cannot be told. Do you understand? Yes. Delvin had answered, I understand. I understand completely. It's only upon his agreement to research the warning that a man has sold him the item. Oh, this was what was in the box. What was in the box, though? Delvin could, would have promised the strange little antique dealer anything he asked for. Delvin set the paper down on the table, wiped his hands absolutely on his pants, and removed his newest piece. A beautiful dark wood case. Museum glass had been expertly fitted between the wooden framework and stood upon a slightly wider base of the same coloured wood. Within the nearby one-foot squared case was the true prize for whatever, however, 
It was a diorama of three large beetles and a massive long spider Delvin had never seen before. The taxidermist who had built the piece had been the master of his art. Each beetle had arranged artfully on a trio of branches, dried grass glued to the wooden base. Dirt had been attached to the bottom as well. Several large pieces of dried fungal growth had been secured to the branches. Three beetles of different sizes. The first and located in the highest of the flavors a deep purple, almost black color, no longer larger than a silver dollar. The second frozen in the act of leaving one branch of another was slightly larger, with a dark green color which shimmered in the light, at least. At last, by the far the largest beetles, stood in the centaur. It looked as though it was an Egyptian scarab. It set. It was a brilliant, powerful gold. Beneath the branches, peeking out from the shadows, was the spider, dark grey in colour, with exceptionally long legs. A spider's eight eyes caught the light through the wind, through the museum glass and glowed. The antique, the antique dealer in Milford had asked for the higher price, with only three hundred, but it had been worth it, my children. Delvin knew he had to have it soon, and he had set his eyes upon it. For several minutes he sat at the table and stared, as if, as if it smiling softly to himself, finally, with a huge sigh, he stood up, gathered a paper wrapping and cardboard box into his arms and brought them to the recycling bin. He dropped them in, whistled a bit of bronze to himself, and went about preparing himself a cup of tea. In the water, as the water slowly came to boil, he went to his phone, saw there was a call from his ex-wife and ignored the message. He knew she, he was late for with his enemy. He would mail the check out in the morning. Delvin kept an eye ear open for the kettle. As he went around the apartment, drew the chaise and inspected the maid's work. She had done an excellent job, as always, but his taxidermy collection always needed close attention. Other maids had failed in the past to care for his pieces away they should be. Janet was quite adept at her work, which was why he had retained her services for so long. With his daily inspection finished, he returned to the kitchen as the water came to a boil. After a few moments, he had his mint tea prepared and sat down at the table. Delicate triads of steam curled up from the surface of the liquid. Delvin looked lovingly at the beetles. He had many beautiful pieces in his collection over the years, but the display before him was absolutely stunning. He was enamoured with the scarab and was see, could see why the ancient Egyptians had worshipped it. 
the magnificent, almost regal way it perched upon its branch, spoke volumes about the Tectominus, and hand and made a tremendous amount of taking a tremendous amount of care with the placement of the insect. Delvin honestly could not believe he could tire of looking at it. Pleased with his new acquisition, Delvin sighed and drank his tea. When he finished, he stiffened and yawned, took the cup to the sink and rinsed it before he sat down. As he returned to the table, picked up a strange letter and diploma, diploma and carried him, in, carried him in with him into his study. He placed the display in the mantel above the fireplace, turned on the gas flames and retreated to the leather armchair. He held up the letter and examined it again. Should I? He asked himself, glancing over at his laptop. But with a moan, he... With a moan, Delvin forced himself out of the comfort of the chair over to the computer. He continued to stand as he turned the laptop on. He brought up Google, found a good translation site, and typed in the Latin phrase, Cursed and bound, the transition read, Cut, touched, not the scarab, least to be touched. Life from life, an evil awakened. Frowning, Delvin straightened up. He looked at the Latin, made certain it was typed incorrectly, and saw that he had... Curious little warning, Delvin thought. He shut the laptop down and carried the letter back to the chair. He put the parchment down to the wall. Lever of the arm hesitated and went back to the display. A curse! What absolute nonsense, he thought. A strong desire to feel the carpet beneath his skin filled him. Licking his lips excitedly, Delvin curiously lifted the top of the case of a teasing hint of erotic, exotic, unnamed perfume caressed his nose, he smiled. Of course I can touch it, he thought, really, it's mine. Carol Delvin reached in and felt the smooth body of the scarab. The sensation, the sensation was sexual, tantalizing in a way he'd never experienced from an item in his collection. Delvin chuckled happily and drew his hand and replaced the top of the case. Resting to himself, Delvin returned to the armchair, sank into it and settled back, making himself comfortable. For a moment he considered a secretary banquet brandy, but he was tired enough. Too early in the morning for liqueur, he would never make it to watch the latest episode of Sherlock on PBS. A glance at the clock and it spoke at his desk showed it was almost six. A short nap, Delvin thought, yawning away. And then a light dinner. I can have my brandy later as I watch Watson. He closed his eyes and settled into his chair, slipped his coat, shoes off. He wrinkled his shoes through his socks into the... The thick carpet, he smiled as he thought of the time nearest purchase. The grass flames made their curious pops, soft pounding sounds for them in the kitchen. A hum of the refrigerator could be heard somewhere 
Out in the parking lot of his park building, the car started the engine loud. All the familiar sounds. Noises served as a lullaby, and Delvin easily drifted off to sleep. A sharp crack sounded and snapped. Delvin back to consciousness. He, he straightened up in the chair, accidentally knocked the letter onto the floor, rubbed his eyes, and looked around the room. According to the clock, it was early to after nine, and the darkness beyond the solitary window confirmed it. The room was lit soft solely by the light of the fire. Delvin reached down to the floor, to the floor lamp, found the pull string and tugged it. He winced at the sadness of the blue bulb's light. So he winced at the sadness of the bulb's light. It took him a moment to see clearly. Everything in the room was in sharp focus. He quickly saw what had made it the crack. The front pane of the glass on his beetled diorama had broken. A tiny right corner of it lying on the carpet. It glinted in the sight of the floor lamp. And Delvin wondered how a roughly triangular piece how it could have fallen out, let alone break. He stood up, walked into the glass and picked it walked over to the glass and picked it up. It was curiously warm in his hands. He put the segment on the mantelpiece before side the diorama and smelt a sweet, delicate odour. He looked at the beetles. Delvin straightened up. Where is it? he asked him. He asked himself, June, staring at the play, where is it? The scarab was missing. Gone. Vanished from the branch. Delvin twisted and round and looked at the other specimens in the study. Birds and small moments, the upper portions of the bear. How the hell could a scarab disappear anyway, he had thought. He shook his head and forced himself to breathe deeply. With an effort, he brought his racing mind under control and carefully began searching the room. He didn't wonder, he didn't worry about any rational explanation to why the glass might have been have broken. Or how a long dead beetle had gotten out. Delvin focused on an important thing, finding it. He could always have the glass repaired, but it would be more point if he didn't have the beetle. He looked around the floor the front of the fire. If the glass was there, the scarab should be close by, he thought. Delvin got on his hands and knees, he crawled carefully, buried a small shards of glass while he peered around for the beetle. Several minutes of scratching, and he caught sight of it. A scarab was clinging to the underside of Darren's chair. One of the insect's forelegs moved slowly, gently pulling at the thin strand of the black fabric beneath the seat. Without getting to his feet, Delvin moved forward, keeping his eyes locked on the escapee. 
He reached out gently, took hold of the scab and carefully pulled it out. From beneath the chair, the incident scuttled around the inside of his hand. Even its legs disgustingly warm. How? Delvin started to say, but he stopped suddenly, brushed the back of his neck. He had felt a sudden pain. Before he could swear, his arms and legs went stiff. He lost his balance. He toppled over into the le- onto his left. By the time he struck the floor, he couldn't feel anything. His thoughts were muddy, and the effort to think was painful. From where he lay on his side, he could see the scarab. He watched as it turned and seemed to focus its attention in him. Then out from the corner of our eye, then from the corner of his eye, Delvin saw a shape move, dark grey, long legs, quickly alien movements, a spider from the diorama. It appeared from a shadow, carrying with a large pale egg sack made of finely wooden silk. And even through the curious haze of his mind, there were really two things. Firstly, the spider had bitten him, and second, the, f- the spider was not a it, it was a she. A scarab climbed down from the chair and joined the spider. Taking the egg sack from her, the two creatures stood beside each other, and a moment later, the, the t- other beetles from the diploma arrived. They said, took up positions on the egg, and the three beetles rolled towards Delvin. The, the spider danced forward, picking her way desperately towards him with all the grace of Second, the spider was not an it, it was rather a she. The scarab climbed down from the chair and joined the spider, taking the egg sack from her. The two creatures stood beside each other, and a moment later, the other two beetles from the diorama appeared. He took up positions on the egg, and the three beetles rolled towards Belvin. The spider danced forward, picking his way picking away deliberately towards him with all the grace of an insane panorama. But I mean, a part of him desperately wanted to pull away as far as possible from the arachnid. But he couldn't. A vermin had steeled his muscles, and when, and when she reached him, she stretched out a foreleg gracefully, the sharp hairs on it caressed his cheek. And he, when he neither flinched nor screamed, she darted forward. The beetles rolled the egg towards him, while the female spider wove a web. She laid the anchor strand under his chin, and soon she raced back and forward across his face. Inwardly, he screamed, furious and terrified at the same time. 
he could pull away. He tried to pull away. Thin, powerful lines of strand were laid across his eyes. The lights open. The beetles disappeared from his line of sight. Then he felt them. Legs working together up his neck into his cheek. He pushed the exit ever more before them. With great care, they pried open his mouth and tucked the egg lip and gum as the beetles backed away. The spider rushed across his feet. He pulled his lip closed and sealed them shut with silk. From where he lay on the floor, Delvin could see the letter of the antique stealer and pressed upon him. He could see the light glow in the dark green of the wax seal, fragments of the various languages written in powerful, broad strokes. What does it say? he thought desperately. Then, against the sensitive skin of his mouth, Delvin felt the smooth surface of the egg sack and only wondered when the spilings would hatch.